Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 9 of Season 5 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Josh Horowitz hello. of Five Minutes of Bonsai. You always like to say hello before I finish introducing you. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello, Josh. Hi. <laughs> welcome back. Yeah. Everyone already knows what you're from. There you oh. go. <laughs> I'll just, tomorrow I'll try to remember to say it's Josh Horowitz, and that'll be it, you know? <laughs> Everyone already knows who you are. There you go. <laughs> so thank you for coming back. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so once again, you wanted to do the introduction. Sure. We are oh, on minute. minute nine of Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Minute nine starts with a dead, wide-eyed, bloody matlock and ends with a series of evil grins following a weather report. <laughs> That's what happened. You really wanted to you you, you want to to use that matlock as much as possible here. <laughs> Which is of great. course. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, this there's not that much that happens in this minute. It's it's going to be interesting to see what we can come up with. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. Trust me. We'll have what we can talk about. Mm-hmm. So, as you said, we have a dead matlock on the ground, and yes. then Baker zips up his jacket, and the newscast continues, and we hear them say they can't hide the fact that the U.S. war on drugs has taken its first prisoner. And then uh, he looks at the gruesome dead body on the ground uh, as he turns off the TV. And then he picks up his walkie-talkie and says, this is Buckwheat. The clubhouse is open. Mm. I, uh, I didn't assuming, understand the reference. That reference. Well, I, I you mean, do or don't? I'm not sure. I mean, Buckwheat, you know, little rascals. But uh, I, what is the reference? What is the true reference? It's, it is from the Little Rascals, yes. It is from the Little Rascals, okay. It's the Little Rascals, It's because it, it's the idea that, that uh, you know, the, all of them are at the, the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they show up at the, the clubhouse. Uh, obviously, we have the Eddie Murphy version of it from Saturday Night Live, but that, that's not... Uh, <laughs> Buckwheat Sings. It's not... Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, which is actually pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel that there was a, a missed opportunity here by... Uh, uh, by one of those henchmen. I mean, you know, he looks at the at the dead custodian. You know, where's the snappy one-liner at this point? He should have said something like, you know, that's one mess that that custodian's not going to clean up, or, or something like that. Yeah, that's true. It would have <laughs> made a little more sense. To do that. You're right. Right. No, but the idea is is that uh, our gang they always went to a clubhouse. You know, uh-huh. They had their 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 place where they you know showed up. Now this would have made. This would have worked much better if they would have had other characters afterwards say, okay, this is Spanky. Right. You know, or uh, this is Alfalfa. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, all they did is just mention about Buckwheat. It, it, it's a, a, you know, it was a great opportunity that they just apparently lost by the mm-hmm. way that they did it. You know, it would, it would have been nice. Yeah. Too bad they uh, don't have a dog with a, you know, big ring around its eye and you know, that sort of thing. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah, that that is the reference here. That's Buckwheat. You know, the, the clubhouse is open. I mean, again, it wouldn't have made sense for them to say, "This is Spanky. I'm on my way to the clubhouse." You know, it's like, <laughs> cause the clubhouse is the the church. You know that that is the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really know. I don't know how else they they would have done that. Mm. But 
you know, because in, 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 in movies where, where they have people use, you know, different code names and stuff like that, they usually all work their way together. You know, yes. in this movie, the only other code name that we hear is, is uh, Falcon. Uh, maybe Falcon and Eagle's Nest, maybe. I don't mm. remember even. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to there in a few months from now when months. we talk about that. But we do, yes. we do have Falcon, you know, mm-hmm. which goes with the idea of, you know, how this movie was dubbed, EPKA uh, Mr. Falcon, <laughs> you know, because there is a character named Falcon. Uh, so it sort of makes sense for them yeah. to do that later they, on. They, they had to think pretty hard for that one, I'm pretty sure. Uh, probably not. They're, they're, they're pretty, pretty smart people in, in the TV industry, you know, when they have to dub things over. I mean, my, uh, I, I still remember the, the, uh, dub from Police Academy. Hmm. You know, the very first one. Right. So, so what he says in the movie is drop that stereo before I blow your goddamn mm. Okay. That's what he says in the movie. Drop that stereo before you blow your, go- your gosh darn knees off egg roll. Gosh darn. I think that's what it is. Egg roll. Love it. Gosh darn knees! Oh. Ah, the days of TV. <laughs> that, that's what memory serves yeah. with that one. I guess it sort of makes sense. <laughs> at, at this point, you know, we see Baker and and Thompson start to move around the pews. Ah, I forgot to mention before that they he actually punches in the code, you know, on his walkie talkie, yeah. which is something they they learned from their mistake in the first movie. <laughs> you know that you need to have a code. <laughs> so that the the good guys can't oh, listen. You know, to I was wondering about that. I, you know, why why didn't he just set the frequency ahead of time? Why have to push it then? But yeah, I guess that makes sense. No, but it's like when you go into your computer and you have your password to put on there because you don't want anyone who's just strolling by, you know, uh, going onto your right. computer without knowing your password. Yeah, you know, it's a similar similar type of idea, even though it's you know thirty three years. I mean, that's a that's a pretty when, when people didn't have personal. That's computers. a pretty heavy duty looking walkie talkie there. Yeah, later on, Chief Engineer Barnes will tell us. Uh, you know, how many buttons are on the code and how many possibilities there are. We'll, we'll get there in a few months also <laughs> when we deal with, with the, the, the possibilities of breaking that uh-huh. code. Yeah. And then the shot changes again, and we once again see a bustling airport. This is this is actually once again shot in LAX. And not Dallas, yeah. We then hear – no, not in Dallas itself. Then we have a news reporter. A female news reporter mm-hmm. says, "Here at Dulles, the quiet men from the the quiet men from the Justice Department. I love the way she describes them. The quiet mm. men <laughs> will handcuff the man who symbolizes the enemy in America's fight against cocaine. The battle may be almost won, but the war is still in doubt." Samantha Coleman, WNTW for nighttime news. Mm. So, do you know who this actress is? Have you ever seen her before? Uh, no, don't. Don't recognize her. What has she been in? She was. I actually just saw her in a movie very recently, which which shocked hmm. me. You know, I mean, she she's been in tons of movies, but uh, you know, her so her name is Sheila McCarthy. Mm-hmm. She's she's an actress who has been. Uh, she was she was born in 1956, which means she was 33 at the mm-hmm. time when this movie was being mm-hmm. filmed. Um, she has 150 different. Uh, credits on IMDb, wow. but the most recent one is in the movie Women Talking, which was a uh, which was an Oscar right. movie for Best yeah, Picture. Yeah. Um, and I, when I was watching this movie, I saw her, and I'm like, "Hey, that's Samantha Coleman." Huh. <laughs> and I was like, "I can't believe she's still acting." You know? Uh, yeah, good. So she she played the character of Greta in Women okay. Talking. Okay. 
Yeah. So yeah, I mean, she's she's been in a lot of movies over the years. Most of them, you know, bit parts. Yeah, uh, it, she probably it pays the bills. Someone yeah, working into what you talking about. Actors, That's right. sure. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, something similar to what you said about uh, about Matlock earlier this week. That you know, he had all these one named uh, mm-hmm. things. Most of her characters are also one names, just like a, uh, a you know, just a female name. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You know, she's she's Veronica. Mm-hmm. And she's Aunt Ginger, and she's uh, Rose, and she's Rita, and she's Greta. You know, she just has those, you know. Uh, she was in The Day After Tomorrow with uh, Dennis Quaid. Oh, I remember that. Man. And she played a character named Judith. Mm. You know, no. I, I don't remember who Judith was in the movie, but uh, <laughs> still. I, I will always remember her from this movie because she she definitely uh, stands yep. out here. No, it was a nice little role. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see her a few more times uh, later later this season. She she shall be back. And so she she gives in her uh, little report about everything. And you know, I, I like how it says on the screen, you know, reporting live. <laughs> so we see that uh, that this is happening at the right. Moment. Um, then we see a, a pan towards like a, a group of payphones. Yeah. Those are those payphone booths that I I miss. Yeah, just a, a place you can go where where you have some soundproof privacy. Don't you miss those? That's right. <laughs> yeah, I actually do. Uh, from that perspective, uh, they, they sometimes are a little cramped, but mm-hmm. yeah, they they still uh, still work. But I I was looking for Clark Kent, and I could just find, <laughs> you know. You know, I I remember back in the day, uh, you know, when when payphones were prevalent and stuff. Uh, many of the kids around my age, we all knew little tricks that you could do on payphones to make them ring. For instance, there was a you know a special number that you could call, and then you would dial in the number, I guess, of the of the payphone itself, and then that would do a test ring. And you know, we were always tickled by that. And then there were also people who were able to somehow you know make calls using these things without putting money in it. Uh, you know, with like a, a special type right. of whistle, but making certain different sounds or something like that. Yeah, yeah right? Captain Crunch. I remember there was a whole talk about that where you, there was, you could get a special whistle from a box of crap Captain Crunch, and if you blew that whistle, it was the exact same tone that indicated to the payphone or something that yeah, it was. Uh, it took money in, so you could make fake, you know, free calls. <laughs> yeah, no more. That's right. Yep. Well, now 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 we all make free calls on our cell phones because we 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 don't really know how much we're oh, paying. Until you see the, that's right. Your your you get your credit yeah, card. Yeah, sure. It's it's free. <laughs> it's not free, but uh, you know. <laughs> right. So she mentions Dulles. This is the first time that we're at. It's actually mentioned that we're at Dulles mm. Airport. Uh, what what do you know about Dallas Airport? Uh, well, I, if if memory serves, that's where we flew out of during my chicken pox time back in 1987. Uh, I, I just remember <laughs> it as a you know big airport similar to LAX, which would be good in this case because it sounds like they're substituting LAX for Dallas. <laughs> yes, that's true. So it is Washington Dallas International Airport. It has a whole bunch of different codes that it's used over the years. It could it was. IATA, IAD, ICAO, KIAD, FAA, LID, IAD. But not DUL. Okay. I guess that'd be too no. dull. No, not at all. That, ooh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> it is 26 miles west of downtown uh, Washington, D.C., and 29 miles from Ronald Reagan National Airport in Arlington. Mm. 
Yeah, so it was opened in 1962, and it was named after John Foster Dulles. Do you, do you know who that and was? So was he? Uh, was he like the head of the FBI, or was it the CIA at one point? John Foster Douglas was the Secretary of State, and I think Alan Dulles was the CIA uh-huh. guy. And, That's and watch, we're going to find out that the, that Dulles, Dulles is. There's the actually one. a third Dulles who they named the airport after, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Alan Dulles was the director of the okay. CIA. Yes, and John, and he was the one who was fired. He was fired by Kennedy ah. after the, I think, after, after Bay of Bay Pigs. Pigs. Yeah, Bay of yeah. Pigs. They claimed that he possibly was connected to the assassination. Oh. But whatever. We're not going there. We're not doing JFK. <laughs> JFK minute. So, um, so that's right. So John Foster Douglas was his brother who was the Secretary of State. Okay. So there you go. There's, there's a little bit of a difference there between the two of them. But apparently both of them were quite influential, you know, in, in the government. But, but which Dulles was the airport named after? It was named after the Secretary of State, his brother. Secretary of State. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. I can't. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's a Kissinger airport somewhere. Um, well, usually they, <laughs> I think they wait until someone passes away, don't they? Ah. I, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, Kissinger's still around that's as right. of 2023. Right. I mean, John <laughs> Foster Dulles passed away in 59. And if this was created ah. in 62, so it sort of makes sense. There you, you go. know, Alan Dulles only passed away in 69. Mm-hmm. So, mm. <laughs> mm. Um, as of 2021, it is the second busiest airport in the Washington, Baltimore area and the 28th mm. busiest airport in the U.S. They have mm. more than 20 million passenger uh, implanements in, in every year. Uh, up until 2019, mm-hmm. and then in, in 2019, they actually had 24 million. I'm assuming that number went down during COVID. Uh, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, they daily have about 60,000 passengers that go through uh, Dallas every day, and they fly to 139 destinations around the world. Mm. But is it as busy looking as it is in this film? Uh, probably not because this is LAX. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I don't know. <laughs> so the, what, what I found interesting though is that, that, you know, I mentioned that the, the code is IAD, right? It originally hmm. was DIA, which were the initials of Dallas International Airport. But a lot of times when right. it would be handwritten, it would be often misread as DCA which was the code hmm. for Washington National Airport. And therefore, uh, a lot of luggage was sent to the wrong place. So they ended up oh. changing it in 1968. So you're talking six years after they started it, they changed it to IAD. So you wouldn't make up, mm-hmm. so you wouldn't have that problem anymore. Right. International Airport Dallas. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It's just, uh, you know, a little unfair that it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that they do that to it, but. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, I guess there's not much you can do there about that. Mm. And then, uh, you know, so we, we, we get a shot of this busy airport. We see one of the soldiers, uh, this is Garber, mm. who's played by uh, Don Harvey, mm-hmm. who was born, born in 1960. He has 100 IMDb credits, including um, Casualties of War, the Untouchables, Eight Men Out, ah. and he was also in Hudson Hall. 
There you know, we go. Which is another Bruce Willis movie. Right, right. Yeah. I, I he, He's another one of the people I reached out to that, that has – I'm still waiting for him to respond. So if you're listening – uh, to this, feel free to get in touch with me, Don. Uh, I'd lo- I'd love to talk to you about your your experiences doing this movie. Well, he he has the perfect '90s villain look. You know, the dark clothes, the slicked back hair. Yes. You know, he's got some mm-hmm. really good ominous music that lets the audience yes. know exactly who he is. That is true. That is definitely true. And then, so he you see him talking on the walkie-talkie in in the payphone, which is great. Hmm. You know, you were talking about warning privacy. So as as if someone's talking on their cell phone, you know, in in looking for privacy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Who would suspect? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, only John McClane would suspect, I guess. I think that's part of the problem here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then he, he walks across to, to the, to the bar where there are two other men sitting down and, you know, they're all on beer stools. And I find it really strange. They're drinking beer. Yes. You know, is is that a smart idea? <laughs> they're they're about to take over an airport. Should these guys be drinking? Maybe they're O'Doul's, the, the uh, non-alcoholic oh, beer, who knows. <laughs> um no, but you can actually you can actually see on one of the rims it says light. Oh, it must be so Miller Light. Well, Miller well, Lite, well right? there you go. I mean, yeah, Miller Light, you can drink a bunch. <laughs> Yeah, but again, you, you'd think that Colonel Stewart would probably not want them to be drinking. Mm. Yeah. You know, he he would want them to be on their best behavior. Yeah, right unless, about to go take- you know, unless they're also, you know, part of the whole method acting that we saw from before, you know, they, they that wanna, could be that they buy it, they, they buy wanna, them, but they're not drinking. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're nervous passengers, you know, so they, they were taking a couple of tall ones. Could be. It's very possible. <laughs> So Garber, when when he's in the the phone booth, we hear him say, "Roger that, Colonel." Out, mm-hmm. and then he walks over to them and says, "That was the Colonel." Everyone's in position. How's the weather? And then the, one of the guys, the guy with the mustache, uh, whose name in the movie is Cochran, mm. uh, played by John Costello, mm-hmm. who was born in 1961 and he passed away in 2008. Mm. He has. 21 at the age of 47 he has 21 credits on imdb he was a firefighter in brooklyn between 1987 and 1998 oh wow and he was really really good friends with both uh, steve Buscemi, who was also a fireman and joseph uh, geniscali who was on the sopranos he played the character of Vito. ah john costello was also on four episodes of the sopranos so he probably got that through through his friend unfortunately he passed away in 47 when he committed suicide, shot himself. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't able to figure out, you know, if they if they knew what happened, you know, why he chose to do so, but uh, you know, unfortunately, mm. so. And his response is, which says, we got flurries all over the Virginia coast, new storm front coming in from the northeast, and then we get a look from the the guy next to him, who's played by Avandi Curtisall. Mm. Another person that I've gotten in t- that I, I wrote to, reached out to. Uh, again, Vondi, if you if you're listening, feel free to give me a call. Get get in touch with me. He was born in 1950, which means he he was he's 10 years older than these other two guys, uh. which he does not look at. You know, <laughs> he he does not look that he's you know 40 years old uh, here, and he has uh, 86 IMDb credits. He was on 104 episodes of Chicago Hope. Oh, Chicago Hope. Yeah, I remember yes. that show. And 
both Vondi Curtis Hall and John Costello were in uh, the movie Black Rain with uh, Michael uh, uh, Michael Douglas. Huh. Well, I, I read that Curtis Hall actually was also uh, an award-winning director. He actually has... Yes, uh, Vondi Curtis Hall is also a director. Yeah. Yes. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vondi uh, Curtis Hall plays a character named Miller. Aha. Uh-huh. But the... Uh, oh, and, and they're... Are they also having Miller Lite? Maybe that's appropriate. Ooh, very good. Very <laughs> uh, but but the, the note I have about this, you know, and we see these two uh, these two guys here, that it's it's always good to see that the henchman profession is open to all races and mustaches. <laughs> and I wonder if Cochran uh, was was a, a weatherman at one point. He, he gives a pretty good weather report. Uh, again, it goes with the method acting. <laughs> yes, it's, it's all about the method acting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you notice the little right. eyebrow raises, uh, you know, when, when he's yes. giving the report and they talk about how the storm front is coming from the northeast? Yes. And and they're all quite happy about it. They all they all give huge smiles about it. Oh, they've got beautiful you know, that's teeth. That's what they're looking forward to. Yes. I mean, yeah. my, my thought here is, you know, would, wouldn't their villainy be even more vile if they had rotten Austin Power snaggle teeth? <laughs> True, but but uh, you know the the fact that the steward runs a, a a tight ship and has a good dental plan. Yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's it's so about if the you dental, have a good plan. dental plan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then Garber gets one word out before the minute ends, and he says, "God." And where we'll we'll have to wait until tomorrow to find out what what he's trying to say. Mm. Who knows? Yes. Right. All right. Uh, so, Josh, do you have anything else you want to say about this minute? Because we got uh, a lot to say, a lot to say in the script today. No, no, we, we we covered quite a bit. Yeah. So, in the script, we actually have two scenes that are completely cut out of the movie. Ooh. Yeah. So, first of all, it starts off with uh, you know we're back with uh, Baker and Thompson after shooting Matlock. So it says Baker rips the rest of the smoking package away from his weapon, uh, slings it over his shoulder, and begins to shove the pews aside to make a larger open area. Thompson, meanwhile, mm. takes out a very futuristic transceiver. He turns it on, gets a red light, enters a number code on the keypad, and gets a keypad and gets a green light. There's an eerie quality to the transmission. Thompson, this is Team One. We're here. So no buckwheat, no clubhouse, right? Mm. And then we have the newscaster, and it's once again Leonard Atkins, who we heard earlier uh, last week. You know, this is Leonard Atkins in Valverde where the war on drugs has finally taken its first prisoner. And then it says, with an annoyed expression, Thompson clicks off the newscast. Now we have a scene that doesn't take place in the movie. It says, exterior airport service area, day. Two painters pull up in a van, move around the back, and start to pull out ladders and cans. First painter, busting our asses Christmas week, like they're going to land extra planes if we finish. Suddenly, two men, O'Reilly and Shelton, are there. Need something? Yeah. Bam, bam. Both painters are shot. Quickly, the two men to- toss their bodies into the rear, get into the van, and back it into the airport garage. O'Reilly enters the number code into a transceiver. O'Reilly says into the radio, Team 2, in position. Then it says, Exterior, secluded Virginia Road. A cyclone fence and a microwave dome fenced in with the sign, Property of the Federal Aviation Agency. No trespassing. 
Burke and Khan, two more of the clean-cut men are here, just now parking and going to the rear of their rented station wagon. Quickly, they open the trunk, slide out a long olive drab tube and a tripod. Khan kicks spikes on the tripod into the frozen ground to anchor it, tilt up as Burke snaps the tube on top of it, swings it around towards the installation when a policeman shows up and says, Hey, you! A police car has pulled over across the road. Both officers get out. Policeman cocks a shotgun. This is a restricted area. Mind telling us what you're doing? A quick look between them. And then Khan swivels the long tube around. Uh, sorry, with Burke. Swiveling the long tube around, Khan loads it and Burke fires. The two men launch a missile at the police car. The police car explodes. The two cops halfway out, swallowed up in the destruction. As the cop car burns, the two men turn, pivot the weapon back towards the transmitter, fire. The missile trail arcs neatly over the fence, lands on target. The transmitter explodes. Mm. Then it goes to a, another scene where it says Dulles Tower. The top of the tower, it's the heart, soul, brain, and brain of Dulles. We hear snatches of air traffic control as the camera pans the big room. We see planes outside. The airport lights already on against the gray of the snow. It's damn impressive. Camera settles on Trudeau, chief air traffic controller. He's lived through hijackings, the Olympics, Reagan's mass firings, and he's still going, heart bypassed, notwithstanding. Chief Engineer Barnes <laughs> is as good as a right ventricle anyway. An alarm rings. Trudeau lighting a cigarette, he hovers over Barnes. We just lost FAA approach control. Weather may have screwed up the line. Switch over to our backup and run a check. Barnes hits a switch. The alarm stops. Everyone relaxes. And then it, then it says back to the airport bar, widened with McLean at the bar, his coat on the stool beside him. He's on his second scotch. On the bar TV, we see Samantha Copeland, a reporter with live supered over her body. She's clearly somewhere inside this airport. Then the, the text is exactly the same. And what she says, camera adjusts to show a man as he opens a phone booth. It's very quick, but we realize that while he's in there, he wasn't using the phone, but one of the transceivers we saw before. This is Major Garber, Stewart's second in command, but his efficiency and chilly courage are second to none. Camera follows him to a table. Cochran and Miller, two more of those neat, trim young men are there in neat, boring topcoats. That was the colonel. All perimeter teams are in place. To Cochran, weather? And then the weather is the same, and the rest of the minutes stays the same. So, on the one hand, I like the fact that that they do have more teams doing different things. I, I think it goes a little too extreme. The fact that they have them sh blow up a police car and then sh then blow up a transmitter. Cause that would have been the first big boom of the movie, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we had the killing so, and now I mean, we got the explosions. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I like the fact that they show them killing the painters in the script because, you know, later on we see that them acting as painters. Mm. So, so that maybe that was Definitely. shot and taken and wasn't done. Yeah, it it's very possible. It's very mm. possible. All right. So every Thursday we have a segment called Aviation Thursday, where mm. my guests will give their top five uh, movies related to aviation, whether it's uh, something in a plane, an airplane, or an airport, or something like that. So, Josh, what have oh. you got for us? All right. We we go in in reverse order here. So number five. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So th- this is one that probably doesn't get enough uh, notice, but I, I really liked it, kind of like a guilty pleasure. It's the movie The Red Baron. Uh, this Ooh. was a German film. Uh, it's oh, I think about... you're talking about the, uh, the Peanuts one. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the, the actual uh, – it's about the actual Red Baron, Manfred von Richthofen uh, from mm-hmm. World War One. I. I, I mostly like this film just because – I, I like the subject matter. You know, I, I play enough computer games that I've done, you know, the different flight simulators and stuff. And, and, uh, I love seeing. As a kid, I used to play Blue Mac. Ah, I know <laughs> that one. Yeah. And no, I, I used to play Red Baron. They came out around 1990. Okay. Uh, and I just love movies where they show World War One planes, especially when it's more realistic. And this movie, which was made, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or so. Um, is, is pretty good in, in terms of showing what that type of, you know, the flights that would happen in the air would happen with like sometimes dozens and dozens of planes up there. I mean, most of it's all done, I'm sure, and with computer graphics, but it, it's, it's an entertaining right. and, and guilty pleasure movie, The Red Baron. Right. It came out uh, in t- uh, 2008. Okay. So it's even older than that. Yeah. But yeah. still, it's still kind of years old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's number five. Number four is a movie that I was introduced to because I was on a Movies by Minute that was related to it, and that is Airport, which was from the uh, – I guess that was from the late 60s, early 70s. No, 1970. Uh, 1970. 1970. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had never seen that one before, and, and it was – that was an entertaining film. Uh, you know, the, I think that was based on a novel originally, and uh, it had some – some good things to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The next one I have is uh, another unorthodox one, but it, it definitely has to do with airplanes. And it's not really a movie. It's more a television movie uh, miniseries, The Langoliers, Stephen Ooh, King's okay. Langoliers. Yeah. And I, I remember watching the, that the on TV. The book is much I've read both of them. Uh, or I've read the book and then I saw the uh, the, the TV one. But, but yeah uh, – with its, it had some CG from, I, that was probably like either, I would say maybe early 90s. Uh, yes, but, 1993 yeah. or 4. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, it, a really wacky premise and, uh, you know, entertaining. Uh, 95. 95. Okay. Yeah. Langoliers. Uh, and then, uh oh, wait a minute. One, two, three, four. Oh, I've got five. Okay. So that one was number two. Oh, no, I have six on my list. Oh, what am I going to do? All right. Well, that's fine. Uh, I'll take out one of them because they're kind of related. Number uh, two, I guess, then, would be Air Force One with uh, okay. with Harrison Ford. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you got Harrison Ford, great action star with, with his own great one-liners and just the whole premise of a of a president who, who fights back to keep his plane uh, – Kind of has has a little bit of a feel in a way to uh, to Die Hard. I'm sure that that yeah. probably had a little yeah. bit of influence in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, I, I actually separate these into two, but I guess you could consider them one. Would be Airplane and Airplane Two, the sequel. Uh, you know, just the, the the king of all airplane comedy movies out there. So many great puns and wacky scenarios that just sort of play up on the whole disaster film genre and uh yeah. and any chance that i have whenever i hear somebody say shirley i have to uh say uh i am shirley and don't call me 
Or no, I am serious and don't call me Shirley. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> right. All right, great. You Thank you very much for that. Sure. You want to once again tell people where they can find Josh Horowitz. Sure. You can find me on joshhorowitz.com. I, I am on Facebook and Twitter, but I barely use it. So uh, that's probably the best place to find me. Uh, and yeah, I, I do some other, or I have done other Movies by Minutes podcasts. I did Five Minutes of Trouble. I did Five Minutes of Bonsai. Uh, and uh, hoping to do one called A is for Atari pretty soon, um, and still doing audiobooks. So if you are into that sort of thing, go on audible.com and look me up, Josh Horowitz, and you can see some of the stuff I've done, uh, including the 22-hour epic, which is called uh, The Dragonstorm Gates. Uh, so, yeah, check those out. All right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So, Josh, you feel like coming back again tomorrow to finish off this week? We, we, we just got to finish. We got to do it. All right. <laughs> great. <laughs> Excellent. So, until tomorrow, yippee kaye. Yippee kaye. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages, if